Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Through the Lens here on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm Alex Houston alongside my co-host, Davis Carroll, and friend of the show and guest, Chris DeBias. Chris, how are you doing today? Outstanding. And Davis, how about you? I'm doing terrible. That's Chris un- and I were fighting before the show. You're always fighting with somebody, Davis, aren't you? Yeah. Exactly. Um, And we are I'm back talk, for Alex. Scary Movie Season Episode 2. This is our second episode in the month of October doing the scary movies. And we're on to Hereditary and Midsummer, both directed by Ari Aster. And two, ve- well, one very, very scary movie and one bit more psychological, I would say. We'll get into that a li- little later in the show. Um, as always, you can follow us at Through the Lens Weagle on Instagram for all updates on episodes we cover and let to contact us for any movies you'd like us to review in the future. But first, as always, we're going to start it off with some movie news and not a lot this week either. Last week was a bit of a slow week uh, and this has been the same. But the first photos have been released of the new movie Wonka starring Timothy Chalamet uh, as, of course, Willy Wonka. I don't know why these movies keep getting made. I'm I'm starting to lose all hope for originality. Davis, did you see the photos of uh, Timothy Chalamet? I did, yeah. And what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, I guess we're not going to judge it based on the set photos because that's just unfair, right, to the actor and the movie itself, but what are your thoughts on the movie in general? I mean, like, I like Timothy Chalamet. I'm sure he'll do fine in it, but, like, just the principle of having these movies, like, you know, the Cruella movie, uh, just, like, the backstories for characters already in movies, I feel like we don't need them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, Chris, what about you? Don't care. Not going to watch it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, moving on as well, Netflix developing a 90s spinoff of that 70s show. Don't care. It's called that 90s show, though. I, I feel like this is very much the wrong path to take, considering that 70s show did not exactly end on a high note. I, 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 was never, I never watched the show. My brother did, and I've heard nothing but bad things about the ending and the fact that it very much fell flat. So nothing else I saw in terms of cast, but, I mean, I don't think I'm looking forward to this show regardless. Um... Didn't they already make a spinoff that 80s show and it didn't go well? No, I didn't think so. Did they? I think that that 80s show really? was not a direct spinoff, though. It was more like uh, the same idea, but in the 80s. I think this one actually has characters from that 70s show in it. Let's see. Um, yeah, that 80s show set in 1984. Yeah, that looks like it has an entirely original cast. I'm not sure if the creator was, let's see, Mark Brazil. I'm not. Oh, yeah, so it was created by the same guys. So, it was sort of an in-spirit spinoff. Glenn I don't know. Howerton was in it. So, what? I don't know if this one will have... Um, I don't know if this one will have a... Um, what's the word? Will have characters from that 70s show? I'm not sure if it's just another spinoff of, ooh, old era that's... you know Because that's what that 70s show was. was. 20 years ago, they were in the 70s, right? Yeah, and they Glenn did Howerton, I didn't know that. And now, you like know... Like a few years... Like, Two years before the first episode of Always Sunny came out? Was Always, was Sunny, Always Sunny 06 or 04? This was 02, and it ran from January to May. Yeah, and then they realized it's not very good, which is unfortunate. Um, moving on, Dune Sorry. has released its final trailer. How, how excited <laughs> are you guys for uh, Dune, The which is a remake in essence, in, uh, or in part? Uh, not at all. Really? I have no enthusiasm for this. Never did. Probably I'm not going to watch it. Very surprised by that. Why? Why is that? I don't know. I just you got to meet. You got to take a picture with I, Timothy Chalamet's cutout. You're not excited. I took a picture with Timmy uh, at the Georgia game. Um, I don't know. I just 
not it doesn't interest me. I I don't I don't know why they're making it. Instead of remake, I'd say it's more of a re-adaptation. Yeah, it is. It certainly is because it's going to be in two parts at least, uh, according to Dennis Villanueva. Um, I, I know all the old heads are going to get mad at me, but I thought the one from 1980 or whatever was boring. Um, you're, everybody agrees. You're, you're not. My dad said it was the worst movie he's ever watched. A lot of people swear by it, but it's really boring. Yeah, I, I don't doubt That's that for a second. classic movies for you. Um, I, I was never going to watch that one. I just was really excited about the trailers themselves. It looks very fascinating. I love sci-fi movies in general, so I'm looking forward to it. Especially because I love, like, the, the reality is when Dennis Villanueva makes a movie, I tend to like it, so I'm just kind of trusting in the fact that I'll probably like it. But, Chris, maybe we'll get you to watch it and join the podcast since you might be a more, what's the word, more critical of it than myself or Davis would be. And then last week we talked about Scream 1 and Scream 4 and revealed that there would be a Scream 5 coming up, and the release date has been announced, actually. Uh, January 14th, 2022, that release date was announced earlier this year when they said we're one year away on January 14th. Uh, that Instagram, The Scream Movies Instagram account posted it, and now they've revealed the date again with a new poster, and the trailer will be releasing tomorrow. Actually, the poster is just Ghostface holding a knife. It's no, it's more updated compared to the previous 90s posters, which were very, very 90s. Uh, but Scream 5 are getting an official release date and trailer. I figured the hype would build a bit sooner, but I guess maybe they're trying to wait to build the hype around Halloween, even though it's not coming out then. I don't uh, know. Uh, big update about the Dune movie. Oh. I asked my dad, who's a big, sci- gigantic sci-fi yes. fan. Who loves the Dune book? Yeah. Right. He, I said, "Do you like?" He said, "Yes." I'm not going to say love. Yes. He's not excited. He said, "Eh." Really? For excitement for the it movie. It doesn't even look exciting. The trailers, all the, the colors are so drab and boring, and then the CGI doesn't even look good. Like in the action scenes where they're in like the Halo armor or whatever. At least from the trailers, it just doesn't look good. I disagree. I'm very excited for it. Everyone uses that shot of Timothy Chalamet like stabbing a bunch of dudes, and then. He like looks at the camera and he's so obviously like blue screened into the CGI armor. It just looks bad. I don't I, I don't know. Maybe if you're a fan of Dune, you're excited for it. You know, I'm glad you have something to enjoy in life. Um, but I I'm probably not going to watch. This is a rental for me. I'll Man. watch this with my dad on what the What if couch. you get the free tickets? If I get if I find the Timothy Chalamet action figure, uh I will uh I guess I'll go watch it. This is very surprising. I, this was kind of one of the movies that I was looking forward to seeing in theaters because I know it's going to be worth it on the big screen. But evidently, a bit more divisive opinion on this movie. Davis, what exactly... I, I you, you mentioned what your dad thought and we talked to Chris. What exactly are you thinking about this no movie? No comment. Really? I really, I don't have an opinion on it. Davis is not watching the trailers or just... I don't watch trailer. I've seen the first one. I don't have any like connection to Dune. I'm not that giant of a sci-fi fan. I like it sometimes, not all the time, so I'm not itching to see this. I can, like, if I go my whole life without seeing it, I, I could die content. Fair. But I'm sure if I saw it, I'd enjoy it. Is there any movie coming out in the next year or so that you are actually excited for? Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. well, okay, fair point, but what are the reasons you're excited for Because it movie? might have Tobey Maguire and Andrew yeah, Garfield. Not because it's a continuation of Marvel's Spider-Man, but because it might actually go back to... Movies that you prefer. I, I am excited for The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. That's fair. Let me be clear on the yeah, Spider-Man. Like, if it was just Tom Holland, fa- Spider-Man facing off another villain, nothing else, I wouldn't be excited for it. I mean, I watch it only because Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, but I would say that that's probably the only movie. I don't, I'm not even, I wouldn't even say I'm excited for it. I'm more excited of the possibility that 
Tobey Maguire and even Andrew Garfield will show up. I am yeah. also excited for The Batman. Oh, yeah, okay, with Robert Pattinson, yeah. absolutely. Robert Likewise. Pattinson, fair point. That's that's definitely one for me as well. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other movies that have released uh, trailers more recently. There aren't a lot in mind. Um, I'm definitely excited for The Batman and Spider-Man, and I think Doctor, I, I'm excited for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, and that's not even about the multiverse. I just like Doctor Strange, and I like mm. Sam Raimi, so that one's one that I'm excited for. Uh. La- that movie with that comedy with Leonardo DiCaprio and Amy. Oh Adams yes, good. um, uh, it's like Don't Look Up. Yeah, that one looks good. The Last Night in Soho looks yeah, good. Yeah, that that those are good ones. There's as well. a few movies I'm excited for. Yeah, I'm ready to I, start seeing. I was excited for Dune. That would that that's that, uh, clearly I'm in the minority on that one. At least on this show, Chris, aren't you excited for the Many Saints of Newark? It already came out. Minions: The Rise of Gru. No, they're making another no, one. Stop. Yeah, this no, stop. they're coming out next no, year. No, no time they are, to die. They already did that one. I thought. I'm not familiar Minions with it. The there's the there's the, the new Ghostbusters. There's the Princess Diana movie starring Kristen Stewart. That one's good. I'm a really I am excited for the new Ghostbuster movie because the after the first trailer showed nothing, there's the second trailer showed a hint of Dan Aykroyd and the gang. So I did see an ad yesterday for a new Pixar movie or a new Disney movie called Encanto, which is Ah, right up Davis's alley is the word I would I say. I love Coco. Because if the title's not in English, Davis is gonna love it. Hell, That's the rule. Heck yeah. I guess Encanto might be in English, unless it's not. Well, it's 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 a it's a Spanish. It's a movie. Okay, yeah, I was wondering what the Spanish. I wondering what the word meant. Love. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Why okay. are they releasing the Scream? I guess in January. Quiet reboot. What? In, it's kind of it's not really a reboot. I guess it's it's oh no it's whatever. a continuation. The Scream continuation in January. So you that's would think I, they would have it done by October. That's what I was asking. So for one, October's a very packed schedule right now. You've got Halloween Kills with Michael Myers, which, regardless of anybody's thoughts on the Halloween franchise overall, since the um, uncannoning of every movie except the first two, and then the follow up that they just released with Jamie Lee Curtis last year, that franchise is kind of red hot right now. You've got Dune coming out as well. I don't believe they saw a slate. Within which that they could win, they could you know, do decently. Not to mention, uh, maybe COVID affected you know scheduling, and they had to push back the release date because they hadn't finished it. I'm not sure. <clears throat> the plan clearly to me at least seems to release trailers in October and build off that a hype then, and hope it carries over to January. I don't think it will. But Scream Four was released in May, so and and Scream 1 was released in December of the year that it came out. So it checks out at least that they've done it before. But I agree with you in the fact that it is strange. Davis. Uh Chris was talking about movies. You're not really excited for any movies, Chris? Is that what your point was? There's a lot of movies that are just kind of like big like not to sound like, you know, against the man or whatever. It was like big corporate What about cash James Bond? Grabs. I know you're a big James Bond guy. Uh you Very know, big James Bond guy. I love James right Bond. I'm a huge James Bond guy. Daniel Craig is one of the best James Bonds, if not one of the best James Bonds. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I heard it's good. I'm. I heard it's pretty good. It's gonna probably be a rental for me. Uh, the yeah. last time uh, I saw a James Bond movie in theater was Skyfall, and Skyfall is a ten out of ten. Highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. Uh, one of the better James Bond movies ever made, in my humble opinion. Interesting. There are a few movies that have already out. I do want to see The Candyman. I do want to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le- the Green Knight. I do want to really see that. I do want to see The Green Knight. It looks very good. That already came out. I'm talking about Yeah, but I'm saying coming. movies that are already out, I want to see. 
like I said, they're all rentals. There's nothing that's wanting where I just have to see it. I would have seen one. the Green Knight in IMAX if I had the chance. If it was, if it was like an IMAX here, I would have gone and seen it. I non. There's the no movie Columbus. coming out soon that I just have to see in theaters. I'm pretty content okay, in that's waiting. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Last Man. movie I saw in theaters was 1917, which was very good. Last uh, one I saw was a good one to see too, in theaters. Actually, what was the last movie I saw in theaters? Did I go at all over the summer? No. God, was it 1917? 1917 was a good one to see. That in was like two years ago. That was it? like two years ago. Yeah, yeah but, but then, then COVID the pand- hit. Then yeah. COVID happened, and then you couldn't. I didn't. Really I didn't see. I didn't go to movie theater once during. I've COVID. been to a couple. I didn't watch Tenet. Haven't seen it yet. It's good. I probably will eventually. I just. I don't know. Never. Didn't really intrigue me. I know. I'm being. I'm that. I'm that guy. All right. <laughs> what do you this mean? This movie has guy? to catch my interest. I don't know. I used to be. I was a big. I am still a big movie buff, but I was a bigger movie buff in high school i was like one of those guys you know that could like list the direct the director's second half daughter on the you know the day that they were born or whatever watching so all you were the a weird... nerd i was a movie nerd in high school and then i guess i just kind of like i guess i just kind of like Fell faded off. like kind of faded away i got out movied sometimes i go into binges though i watched a bunch of movies on netflix over the summer one of them was about uh was a spanish movie about the last Spanish soldiers to leave the Philippines in the the late 1800s was pretty good. It went on a little long though. Completely unrelated to what we were Com- talking about. Completely and holistically unrelated. Any other news? Seven uh, crazy man. tangent we just had. I will say I became less of a movie guy at least going to the theater since my parents stopped paying for the tickets. Oh Such yeah. When I, when, when I when I get to college, I'm like, yeah. When you can know. find alternate ways to watch movies. But yeah, just so, say news. Uh, on to the last uh, movie news. Something that I won't have to go to the theaters to see because it'll be released on Peacock. Psych 3 trailer was released. Yeah! Uh, Chris's least favorite show. Is it really? I never said it was my least you don't favorite. Like, he doesn't like Psych, boring. though. He thinks it's boring. I that makes it was, sense. I don't know. It seems like... It I, seems my, my, like you haven't even watched it. No, I've watched a few episodes with my girlfriend. She likes it. it I categorize it in the same... My brain puts it in the same filing cabinet as like Chuck, ah, and uh, yeah, and like I don't know Suits or whatever. Like procedural, those kind of like, t- like daytime TV shows that are just kind of on when you skip school when you're a kid. Hmm. So what 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 are your kind of shows? Though. What are your kind of shows? What though? are my kind of shows? Well, there's That's such a hard question. Well, I mean, like like for, like for example, list, I like shows like Psych and whatnot, and I like I like very procedural comedies and stuff I'll like that. I'll list some so. of my favorite shows of all time: um, Daredevil, the Netflix show. That's a good one. Amazing. Um, uh, Game of Thrones, amazing. Um, I watched Mad Men for a while. I never finished it, but that was pretty good. Um, my problem is I'll start shows and even if I like them, I'll just kind of fall off. So I'm not big on, I'm not big on continuing to watch shows. I'm not a show guy. I'm that's a movie fair. Guy. Also based on your top uh, choices, you're not much of a comedy. Not uh, true. Oh. Family guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I watched hey, so much family guy as a kid. I can quote episodes. <laughs> you can show like a screen cap and be like, that's from the episode where Brian becomes <laughs> a, a newscaster. I watched a lot of family guy as a kid. Surprise, surprise. Um, Peter, I'm holding owls. My brother and I would watch Family Guy together. Family Guy is funny. Okay, it was one right, of the few funny. American shows I could watch, believe it or not, because I lived in 
Italy for nine years. So mm, I, I know that. Well, wow, there you yeah. go. Um, so yeah, it's Psych Three. This is Gus. Is what it's called. I watched the trailer. Uh, Gus has hair. Also, uh, Lasseter is returning after having a uh, the actor had a Didn't very serious stroke. And I uh, was only able to appear over the phone, like I think in the first movie, and just didn't appear at all in the second one, if I'm not mistaken. So they're movies now. No, I yes. think there was a second one where they, where it's like they get like the the, the trailer was like they go to his house, they're like, that's right. That, so yeah, that's right. They he's they, like, what are you doing? Now, it was last comes home, and now he's like back in action, is how he says it in the yeah. trailer. Um, that's right. But very very exciting for him to make it back because it was a very very serious uh, stroke. He had a great interview with Larry King where he um explains all that. If anybody's more interested, go ahead and just Google that on YouTube. Really great interview uh, to learn more about the crazy story. But that... He seems is, to be doing pretty good. Yeah, exactly. That is the last of the movie news, which means it's time to move on to what we're all here for. Uh, Midsummer and Hereditary, or more Hereditary and Midsummer. These are the scary movies that we'll be talking about on this episode. Yeah. We'll be talking about them right now. So... Why don't we start off first with Hereditary, because uh, that was the one that came out first. It was released in 2018. It is directed and written by Ari Aster and stars Tony Collette as Annie Graham, Gabriel Byrne as Steve Graham, Alex Wolf as Peter Graham. People may remember Alex Wolf from the Naked Brothers Band on Disney Channel back in like 2003. Was it Disney or Nick? No, no, Nickelodeon, my, my mistake. Alex Wolf as Peter Graham. He was in the Naked Brothers Band. Yes. What did he just say? Miley Shapiro <laughs> as uh, Charlie Graham and Ann Dowd as Joan. I knew she was the bad guy the second I saw her on screen. Spoiler alerts, of course. So just sort of setting up exactly the plot of this movie. We're not going to go plot point by plot point because there one is a lot to discuss in terms of the way the movie uh, jumps and develops. But essentially, this movie follows a family, the Graham family, following the death of the matriarch of the family and the mother of... Annie Graham and grandson of Peter and Charlie. And following that death, uh, the family sort of... What? Oh, You're just like looking back and forth I'm looking out. Alex, keep talking. Uh, following the death, the family sort of grieves and tries to work through it. And things, are, things just feel a little off. And then it goes really wrong once uh, Charlie is decapitated, which is where it really goes a step up. Alex, did you notice that the on the the pole that it happened, there was the the mark? Well, yeah, it was pretty obvious. It kind of like the first time I watched it, it, I did focused on it. I didn't, re- I just didn't no. notice it. I was always so um so. There's a couple things that I noticed. So one, I mean, I, the second that I saw the grandma have that necklace, I was like, nope, that's a weird symbol. Sums up. So that th- they don't just pick that. Nope. And and then and then. Okay, so the, what really got me is, so to start off the movie, you don't really know where it's going, which is one of the, my things I really like about it. You don't know, you know, as far as horror movies go, you know, there's Paranormal Activity, there's the Poltergeist, there's... Paranormal Activity's the, kind of good, I'll say. There's the fake-out ones where it's not actually a ghost, right? There's stuff like that. I didn't know where it was going, and you're kind of like, okay, so it's got to be the mom you, Yeah, you thought you house. had to figure it out, but So, because... And, um, Annie's walking and she looks in the dark and sees something and I didn't my, the brightness on my computer was so low that I didn't see anything so I was like okay are they trying to trick us and I turned the brightness and I'm like oh there's a whole lady there she's right there it's her mom oh no and then I knew it was gonna go downhill from there and then the second that she was uh, later on uh, Peter wants to go to a party because he's a rebel dude no he's not really he just Smokes a lot of weed he's with his friends. A, he's just a high school kid. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, he wants to go to a party, and Annie forces, um, forces him. Why would she do that? To take Charlie along, and it's then crazy. And then Peter's trying to get with the girl, so he's like, "Charlie, go eat this chocolate cake." Charlie eats the cake, and you're like, "Either the cake's not good, or..." And then you remember earlier, 
which is brilliantly yeah, planted in. They, they, they brilliantly planted in. How did they set it up? Um, so so uh, she's eating a crunch bar. Uh, Charlie is, and her dad's like, that didn't have nuts in it, does it? Because we don't have an EpiPen. Oh. And then Tony Collette, uh, play, who plays Annie, says it again. And you're like, it's just perfectly set up because your mind's not even on that right now. You're trying to figure out what's going on, but that's the perfect amount of setup to where then she starts eating it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. And then she starts breathing. I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then there's, it all goes downhill, which of course there's a little foreshadowing. She chops off the bird's head earlier. And she sees like the grandma having conducting some sort of burning in the backyard. That's ghost grandma not actually there. Um, and things just get weird and they get weird fast. Um, even from the jump. I don't think that that wasn't her ghost grandma. That was all the other members I think that doing that to her body. People. That's they cut off the grandma's head. No, 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 I'm talking about when she saw the fire. Cause yeah. no, no, cause cause Annie ran out there and didn't the even fire, acknowledge it. It yeah, wasn't the fire. The fire was, was the grandma vision. setting something. I think it was a vision. I don't think it was actually there. No, yeah, no, but it was it was it was like something of the grandma because um Annie did not see it. I and okay. it was just Whatever. one person setting a fire. Because again, they didn't burn her body, it just decomposed. So But they did cut her head off. That's true, they did do that. Find out that's at that, the end of the movie. That's Which, how they that's how they that's how King Payman goes to his next host. Ah, uh, he cuts off the head. Ah, Think really? So, it. so he yeah, possessed the it grandma. It was in the grandma. Then it went to Charlie. Then it went to the mom. And then in, after the mom piano wired herself, it went to Alex or uh, whatever his name is. Peter. Peter. That's how well, it goes okay. to the next host. So I. They all cut their heads. It's off. like released. King Payment is like released from the from the host. So, but when when the when King Payment possessed Charlie initially, mm-hmm. um. Well, no, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, it's confused. No, wait, that, but it's not right. It so, is. No, it is yes, right. Yes, Alex, it, was, it is right. But they refer set. to Peter as Charlie. Because, yeah. So is Charlie King Payman the whole time? No, Charlie... Well, think Charlie about it. Charlie was the original sacrifice. Yeah. Well, think about it. Because so, the grandma had King Payman the whole time, and she, like... And she breastfed Charlie. Yeah, she raised Charlie. To, to then put the seed in her, I guess. And then when she died, they cut the grandma's head off, unbeknownst to the family. It went to Charlie. Charlie died. And then I guess it unintentionally went into the mother. Or I guess it was intentional because uh, what's-her-face made her do the seance, which then opened up the ghost to go into her from Charlie's corpse, which then went into Peter after she piano-wired herself. But okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. So, um... So when payment when when Charlie gets decapitated on the pole, payment just floats around for a lot of the time. Well, that's what that Goes blue the, pulse yeah. is. I know in the movie. It's, I know that. That's yeah. him. I pick, he's I, he's still in Charlie. Because remember when what's her face is like, uh, Annie, she's not dead. After they do the seance with her grand with her grandson or great grandson or whatever. Yeah. And then Tony Collette's like, I gotta get the F out of here. And she's like, she she's like all, I guess, apologetic or whatever. And then out of nowhere, she gets all serious and she goes, Annie, she's not dead. And she goes, what did you just say? She goes, Charlie, she's not dead. And then she leaves and she starts losing her mind. And then she does the seance. And then for a short period of time, Charlie is in Tony's body. The scene where I remember that, the seance yes. and Peter starts crying and the yes. dad is like, cut this... <laughs> Cut it, yeah, out, cut, cut it out! Cut it out! <laughs> I remember, I remember that, but so I'm just confused as to the point of if Charlie was possessed by Payman the whole time, then why did we we didn't ever see? Because Payman, 
is Charlie. It was never kinda. meant. I don't think it okay, was. Okay, so that that's, Heyman doesn't realize that he's a supernatural being. It was never meant. I don't think it was ever meant to go to the mother. But there was no way to get it into Charlie. Well, I think it kind of had to. No, because it only in the book that the mom finds, it only required one female sacrifice. Oh, so yeah. And I think it was they were. Do you think it happened? It happened when she they, tried to. Yeah, it happened when she tried to burn the book, and then the husband, the dad, got maybe because she figured it out. Maybe it's implied that. They thought Charlie would be it, but they learned at a later date that it had to be a male. I well, they already they already knew it was yeah, a male because it was, it was, it was in, the book. in the book. It, clearly, we're all very confused by this movie. No, you're confusing us, Alex. No, that, I'm, we've, we've seen this I think multiple that times. Is pretty, I think it's pretty clear that the end game was always to get to Peter. Well, yeah, that much is clear. I just don't. I, I I'm confused as to why they so. So payment hey. is not aware that payment is payment. Would you like me to read this Reddit post about it? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> quote, I'm quoting, I'm just reading it straight from here. The general consensus is that no unique being, quote-unquote Charlie, was ever born from Annie. Payment was drawn into the unborn child as the most vulnerable host. Given the Charles Matt, it is possible uh, the child, the, 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 uh, the sex of the child was not known prior to birth. While in an unwitting host, Payment is unaware of itself as a supernatural entity and simply lives life as Charlie. Some of the demon's quirks still come through, of course. Charlie also may suffer subconsciously due to Payman's true personality being suppressed. Okay, so Payman was nursed. Okay, so okay, okay, now it makes sense. So now, so the ritual pictures that were shown of the grandma getting doused in gold or whatnot made her the vessel to then feed Payman, aka Charlie, who then required a female sacrifice, aka the mom. To go to a healthy male body, aka Peter. Boom. Okay. Charlie was brought into the world to. But no, no, no. Yeah, she wanted. Char- to- Charlie was brought into the world to bring him to his p- power. They needed a separate and payment, sacrifice, and, payment ref- and prefers a male host. Yeah, I know in that. the form of maybe that's why Charlie's named Charlie, a boy's name. Well, it's a traditionally name. Yeah, fair. I, I, I'm so, I'm so Neither Ellen nor the other cultists dared reveal to Charlie what she was. Probably in any confrontation with payment while in the vessel that displeased him would have unfortunate results for the cult that bound with him. Once Peter was possessed, the cult is free to call out payment. However, payment is still unbalanced by events, unbalanced by events, and having lived most of his life as Charlie, by referring to Peter slash payment as Charlie, Joan is acknowledging how things appear to Charlie slash payment so they can bring him up to speed. Got it. Makes can, sense to me. Yeah. Any I, other questions, Alex? You I'm just use? trying to think. It's, is all. It is confusing. It, I don't think it's that confusing. I think I think I think it is because I think like we're assuming that it possessed Charlie the whole time, but I I don't I don't really see like the connection. It where, was always there. They always had the hints. That's yeah, she, that's why she kept pulse. doing the, the click. Thing. That's why she was weird. That's why she had the click. Ah, okay, okay. That makes that that make that makes that makes some sense to me. She could see uh, the pulse. I, I guess I see it in, in the fact that uh, one of the cult members uh, sees her at the funeral and like nods to her as in like mm-hmm. encouraging her to do whatever she was going to do. I don't know yeah, what it was exactly. That was a weird scene. And then that guy was there later. He was in the doorway, and I was like, ah, dang it. Yeah, they were all. You could see a smile. People from and, well, grade. you could see more than a smile, unfortunately. Oh, well, they don't need to know all that. They, they don't need to know. Let's just say. Let's just say this. Let's just say this. Whole lot of nudity in the final fifteen minutes. It's awesome. Um. So what were what were like. Rather than going plot point by plot point, what are some of your favorite parts of this movie? What really stands out to you that is 
makes the, it the overwhelming sense of dread for yes. the entirety of the movie. I always tell people that this is my favorite horror movie of all time, but that there's zero, there's zero, maybe one jump scare in the whole movie, and it's in the last ten movies, last ten minutes, and yet it is the most frightening movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to rewatch it. It is not scary. It is dreadful. It is an overwhelming sense of terror because Ari Aster uses just sets the perfect crazy uncomfortable tone for the entirety of the movie and it gets so awkward in a real way when the family issues start to arise and then you throw in the paranormal aspect of it so it's super awkward it's super uncomfortable i remember the, i don't remember a lot of my movie going experiences i'll remember the movie but i won't remember what i was thinking or doing in the theater but this is one of the mo- more vivid experiences i've had I went to watch this movie with my brother when it came out, and I was so uncomfortable during the majority of it. I I remember specific scenes, how I felt when that scene first appeared on the movie screen, what I would whisper to my brother. It's just, it's it's dreadful. It's a dreadful, awful-feeling movie to watch, and that's what makes it amazing. I I completely agree. I think uh, Ari Aster's one crazy dude, and he's... Because again, he wrote all these. That's you. You regularly get that, and I think that's what makes that's why I appreciate these movies so much. Is because his style is as evident as is his his writing. Because he crafted this story, and then his style suits it perfectly. It's not like you know, writers and directors will often collaborate, but you don't get you regularly will get a guy who writes it all himself, and then is visual is you know Nolan's achieving. One of those other yeah, Nolan, Nolan is, and that, that's why his, his movies brother are so also perfect. Helps exactly write it. because. Those movies are, it's the director so much in tune with what's being written. And this is the same case from all the incredible shots. Also, a couple things, details that stood out. We mentioned um, earlier when Charlie went out with the bird's head to the, uh, and saw the grandmother uh, burning that thing. That was like the vision. Did you not notice how they were all, there was a bunch of steps along, like as if multiple people had walked that yes. path before. I just thought that was a cool Chris detail. also says he saw like a red trail behind Charlie. I, I don't know if that was intentional or mm. if that was a glitch on where we were watching it. But when you watch the scene where there's like an aerial view of Charlie as she's walking, the coat leaves like a red trail as she's walking. That yeah, may have been I, I, I did not see a, that myself. Glitch. I did not see that myself. I'm not sure. I'll go back and rewatch because I want to rewatch it again because this was the first time that I had seen. I know you guys had. This seen was it the before. second time. I didn't want to watch. I didn't. It. I didn't want to rewatch <laughs> it because <laughs> knowing what happens makes it worse to me. So it that's does. so that thing is. I knew what some. I knew some of the stuff that was coming. I didn't know when because I had seen the clips on Instagram and I had not watched it in years. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to be so afraid of spoilers because you know it had been out for three years or whatever. So like, I knew Charlie was getting decapitated because I'd seen like. A meme about this in the I just didn't know when, and that's one thing. Is like I was just trying to see how clear the foreshadowing was on that because I'm like I know it's coming, but how clear is the foreshadowing that it's going to happen? Outside from the symbol, because the symbol's everywhere. Not to mention, do we think the cult placed the animal? Yeah, definitely. Okay, hundred percent. I couldn't see what animal it was. It was I like tell, a deer, but I couldn't tell if it had been like you know speared by other people or something. I don't know like if they, if it, they, they definitely did. It's the only way that could have happened. Well, I don't know if they placed it or if it was some paranormal interference. So they clearly like willed it to happen by yeah. putting this symbol on that specific So item. during and when I was in anthropology we learned about like a type of magic magic quote unquote like that in like certain countries like how they see luck like they cast a spell so that something will happen at a certain time like if you're standing under a roof that roof will fall after that you cast a certain spell and that's all I was thinking of during it which I'm sure it's kind of maybe Ari Aster knows about that and that's where he kind of got the 
they put the thing so that that thing will happen at that certain time. I don't think he had to explain it though. I think he. Just well, yeah, he didn't the, have to. But that's that's how, that's what I was thinking of during it. It's pretty interesting. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. Um. This just man. This movie is just it's just creepy. There like is it, one thing oh. that I when we were watching it, I I figured you'd really like was the soundtrack. Oh yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> Again, this is this is what I love about getting a direct getting a oh go ahead Chris the flute or whatever in the background I don't know what it it sounds like synthy yeah this is what definitely a a woodwind instrument it may be a piccolo or flute but it's (laughs) piccolo this is this is what makes movies like this and what makes the A twenty four studio work very well is that the A twenty four is a studio that supplies it's almost it's almost yeah it's almost a supplier for giving artists the medium that they need and it allows the directors like Ari Aster to take full control and visualize and, and and achieve what he was imagining when he wrote the script or when he came up with the idea. Imperfect, including in the music and, you know, the casting, which casting, by the way, I want to get into that in a moment because I think the cast is brilliant top to bottom. But that the music, oh, yeah, it's perfect. It's haunting. One thing is that, you know, I, I was getting too scared of the jumps because I turned down my, like, uh, computer sometimes to where it wasn't as loud and as vibrant as I know it was because... When it got loud, I was like, oh, this is, nope, I don't like right, it. It gives you chills. I don't like it. I don't well, like it at all. In the climax, there's no music. Yep, that's the best. There's no music until until the chase, until I believe. Until the chase, yeah. and then the he, music goes away He jumps again. out the window when he jumps yep, out. Yep, and, the, and, and then, it goes silent when he jumps. And then it's not, the music does not come back until they announce him as King Payment. And not to mention, I want to talk about the music that plays in the credits because that's a consistent theme between these two movies, but I'll get to that uh, more towards the end of this one and the start of the second but the cast, so this is one that um, you guys probably wouldn't have picked up on until the second interaction with her, but I picked up on it the second that I saw it because the character of Joan is played by Ann Dowd, who uh, oh, not many people I, have seen this show, but uh, she was in a show called The Leftover starring Justin Thoreau, and she was crazy in that movie. She played this character named Patty, who was the craziest lady on the planet and led a cult in that show as well. And so whenever I see her in a movie, I know something's up. And I saw the camera pan on grief counseling, and she was there. And I was like, oh, no. Nope. Nope. She's right there. Don't get it twisted. I knew she was bad right away. That's part of the dread of it. You're like, don't trust this lady, especially when she started acting weird. She was like, why would she like... My Please come to my seance. My my son died. Oh, when she went down, I was like, what the heck? It's like... Nope. I no, but, knew every, I mean it's part of the part of the yeah. feeling so you once know she, that nothing good will come. Once from she it. started talking, I knew that, but like I like when they just panned for it was just nothing but Annie talking. Joan didn't speak until the second meeting. I was like, why is she gotta be there? Because I know I know. I knew it was gonna be bad because she's crazy. And she, actress is amazing. I she's been great in everything I've ever seen her in. She's great in this as well, as always. But like I was like, nope, this is not it. This because there's no way she's gonna be good. Not in this movie. Nope, no happy endings exist. I feel nothing but that was one thing I wrote down a few times is there's certain moments I'm like there's not going to be a happy ending is there nope. like as nope. as as Annie's figuring out I was like this isn't going to work well, it's, it's oh, having for a the happy cold, ending for the they're cold. all there they're all there as what a fan the? yeah they are yeah oh yeah. my Everybody's god everyone's there even the dog even the dog oh my god <laughs> do they ever have a dog yeah, yeah. I have a dog. That's it's a only big... in like two scenes, and it dies in the second one. Remember, but... remember the, when he has, he's having the bad dream, and then starts barking, and it slams. You go, Arr! but it, then, but then once once he starts, wait, wait, wait. I but but then when does the dog 
die. It you just died you just then. see it dead. You never hear oh, when he's walking up, he's right. right. They just want to let you know that there's no happy ending. I was wondering what that. I wrote that down. Like I couldn't see what animal it was. Okay, that makes sense. It was their dog. That makes a lot of sense. They done shot the dog. That makes a lot of sense. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that was great casting all the way around. I really like Tony Collette as she's great in everything she's been in as well. This was no exception again. She got snubbed. She Should've did. Been. Did Oscars she not get nominated? Trash. They did not. Not one thing was nominated. For okay. Oscars the trash. scene. The scene. Like the multiple scenes where it's just her face feeling emotions is some of the best acting I've seen in how many years? To be honest. No. That 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 is a bunch of crap. To be honest. That that that's ridiculous. Horror movies if, don't get much love. There's a yeah. The You're Oscars right. They don't snub horror movies all the time. But that that's ridiculous. That that's ridiculous. Also, uh, Gabriel Byrne as Steve Graham. Not he's not the folks of the movie. If anything, he's you know the dad is the rock. He's there to the move best. the plot along. But he's he was great as well. Uh, the fire scene was just dreadful. Absolutely haunting scene right there. And one of my favorite things about it, I think, is that there's a purpose to it. I would compare. I haven't seen Paranormal Activity in a million years. I haven't seen The Conjuring myself, and uh, you can't really compare it because no, different types of. No, I know. I, I, that's what I was getting to. Um, my comparison is the fact that in these mo- in these movies, the supernatural element serves a purpose in in this movie compared to previous. A, a, a lot of times, the trope is "ooh, scary house," or "dead person," or you know, just tr- trying to haunt people for two hours and it's over. The, but this the supernatural element is going to achieve a purpose you know it's seeking to get somewhere and to and to get something rather than just terrifying people and that's what i like about it you're like is it gonna what's gonna happen next you know who's gonna die and what's that gonna lead to not just oh scary thing jump scare they're dead next jump scare they're dead again i just really enjoy that it's different it's it's more of a progressive plot for a horror movie by comparison to a lot of previous movies, because I think that is the common trope is, ooh, scary. Like, when, when, I knew, when I first saw The Dead Grandma, I was like, man, I really do not want it to just be that. Because, you know, that's pretty basic as far as it goes. But a demonic, a, a demon, essentially, a, like the seventh, of hell. the seventh lord of hell or whatever they said. I don't remember what they said exactly. Like, that's so much better and so much more engaging for the overall movie experience, which is already engaging enough because it's terrifying and there's nothing but dread throughout the entire movie i also really like how it's a very gradual build-up like there aren't a lot of actual jump scares like or actual scares until the final act would you say so there's only one jump scare and it's when she starts chasing them yeah like exactly but even then like it's not nearly as scary and like throughout the movie i would say until really that final run through yeah that's like it's more about grief exactly and then it builds and it's like all right and like it's building he's like i'm just doing this plot he's writing the movie and he's like all right in these final moments i'm just gonna scare the daylights out of everybody which was awesome. Like just hearing the the, and you're like, what's that? And you're, oh, uh, <laughs> piano wider herself. That was. I, I was like, it's uh, what I thought first. I thought the cult was eating somebody, and I was like, please don't. But then I was like, no, it's so much worse. Oh. It's so much and worse. They show it, and it's very graphic. Yeah, the movie. The movie does not hold back. Also, another one of my scenes that I really, uh, one of my favorite scenes was the the dream where she tells him that. She didn't want to have them. And then they progressively get wetter, and you're like, what's happening? And you're like, oh, my gosh, the paint thinner. The paint thinner. And so, like, that that, that was awesome. I thought that was great. Oh, it was paint thinner. Yeah, because it was calling back painter. to the... Yeah. It was call, no, no, it was calling well, back painter, to... but no, she's a, she does model maker. But it was calling back to that when she yeah. said she slept walk and almost set them on fire that one yeah. time. I just thought it was lighter fluid. No, no, no. That was that, I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I I, I, I really liked how that was a thing. Um, Man, what a movie. Really, like this out is out of ten, Alex. Out of ten, uh, 
10. I mean, it's got to be. I don't, there's not a problem I have with it. Ten out of ten. I yep. think. Good I take. think the pan into um, seeing Joan's like room and realizing, oh my gosh, it's all gone terribly oh, wrong. Oh yeah, where she's like, Joan, I need to talk to you, and it's just the the triangle with Peter's picture in it, and like the weird. And he starts yelling at Peter. Which, Peter. And the triangle wasn't. Peter, and the, I release you, and he's like. Huh? Which nobody sees her, which I wonder how that works and that, exactly. I mean, they probably they did. They just, no, nobody did. Nobody around him reacted. He legitimately looked around and nobody saw her. That was the point. And then, uh, and then the classroom scene is freaking awesome, where he's like, and he's like all twisted out, and they're like, "Oh my god, can he breathe?" And he just starts slamming his head into the the table. And he starts screaming. That the acting in that scene by Alex Wolf when he like freaks out. Really good. Deserved an Oscar nom, yeah. in my opinion. I think. I think. Everyone in this Tony, movie could have deserved. I think an Oscar Tony nom. Collette deserved yes. to win the Oscar. That'd yeah. be interesting to find what who. Let me. Let me. Were like the best lead they, actor. I'll pull the is, nominees. For the that thing movie, is with the Oscars, they don't even watch horror movies most of the time. They don't. All right, I'm pulling up the 2018 Oscars right now. Um, give me one See second. The could it be 2019 female. since it came out in 2018? Uh, I don't know. Um, just, they're weird. How yeah, they I think you're right. Okay, yeah, because be let's see. When, when did Hereditary come out? Can somebody 2018. Give a, I mean, like, what what time during 2018? Because if it's early enough in 2018, it would have been... Okay, um, so it would have been the 2019 uh, I think Oscars. It was in June the 8th. I think it was All right, see, so yeah, I know it would have been the it would have been the 2019 Oscars. Let me go look at the uh, awards. So, for Best Actress, Olivia Coleman is the favorite. Haven't seen that one. Yalitza... Aparicio in Roma. We saw that one, Dave. Great movie. Glenn Close in The Wife. Never saw that one. Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. And Ooh. Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Are you serious? Tony Collette didn't get okay, so yeah. over Oscar. any of those. I, lo- I love Lady Gaga, and I love The Star is Born. Great movie. And as a as a music star transitioning to acting with probably no formal lessons, I'd imagine, she did great. Tony Collette was miles, and I mean this as nicely as I can, Miles ahead of Lady Gaga. Was that that's the 2018? That was 19, 2019. 2019. That's 20. You just read 2018. No, I didn't. I read 2019. I'm looking at 2019, and it says that it's Renee Zellweger for Judy, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Cyrese Ronan for Little Women, and Charlize Theron for No, that's the 2020 ones. I'm looking at what? Well, I'm at the I'm at the I'm at the 2019 as in released in February 2019 91st Oscars and that's I think Alex Alex has it cuz I'm I looking am. at an article has a stars born mentioned it. Yeah, I'm I'm right. Um anyway, <laughs> you got but, played, Chris. Yeah. So that like no disrespect to Lady Gaga, great performance, no disrespect to any of the other actresses in that category, but I think that deserves a nomination and a win. As for best supporting actor cuz I think Alex Wolf was worthy of consideration. You've got Mahershal Ali in The Green Book, I think he won deservedly so. Adam Driver in Black's Cl- Black Klansman. It's a good movie. Sam Elliott in A Star is Born. Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Again, I didn't see that. And Sam Rockwell as Vice. No, that's not. I like Sam Rockwell. Davis, you and I have discussed how much we like Sam Rockwell. He's not in, in that movie. In detail. Near, he's not in that movie enough In detail, yeah. He, what is the favorite? Um, It was a movie about uh, the Queen of... Uh, uh, 18th century Great Britain. It starred. Uh, oh, it was a period piece Oscar yeah. grab. Okay. Well, actually, it's also <laughs> apparently very, very good. Like, like this is not like there. No, the Green Book is a period piece Oscar thing, sort of. The Green Book's something else. I don't know what the what the deal was with that. But the favorite apparently was very good, and I, I actually was looking forward to seeing it myself just because Olivia Coleman's been good in pretty much everything. She was also in The Father, Davis, as you remember. She was also in Hot Fuzz. That's right. She was, and she's also uh, more recently been in, in The Crown on Netflix. But yeah, I think I think yeah no, 
Alex Wolf far and away above Sam Rockwell in that category. Again, like that's just which again, this is the same group that did not give uh, Christian Bale the award for Dick Cheney and Vice, which was the best performance that year of a, of the those in contention. But anyway, any final big thoughts on this movie? I mean, we were talking about it for about twenty minutes now. There's just so much about it. Like, what are what are some of your other moments that really stood out to you guys? I mean, we've pretty much gone over everything for me. I will say, if you think about watching this movie, be warned. It is scary. It's graphic. It is graphic. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not like a you don't have to sign a waiver to watch or anything. But like, if you if you like more easygoing horror, like you like slashers more, you're not big on psychological stuff. Maybe don't watch this. Initial audience ratings uh, on people leaving the screens gave it a um, gave it a D plus rating actually because cowards and, it, and that's that's because I think genuinely they were just scared. <laughs> like I'm not even gonna I mean, let's it see it is it is more Cinema, artsy than yeah. the average horror movie. It's Cinema not a score movie. Cinema score polling, yeah. And, and again, I think I think it's very much psychological, and that leads into Midsummer, which we'll get to in a moment, and the misunderstanding I think of people for that movie. But how about the funny? And like happy song to end at the credits, like after all that we just saw. That's two, like uncut gems. Yeah. Two headless bodies uh, kneeling to, um, Painter. the shrine. Yeah. Which, by the way, was that the grandmother's decapitated head? No, oh, that okay, was so. Charlie's. Oh no, it was Charlie's. Right, it was Charlie's. I didn't yeah. notice yeah. that, yes. but Davis pointed. It, it was out. Charlie's. That's right. I'd I'd gotten swapped. It was yeah. It was Charlie's. That that's that's. We can't be right. we can't be playing this one live on the air. This this episode. Too Why much not? Decapitation talk. Oh my lord! It'll be fine. <laughs> It's just it's what happened in the movie, you know. It, it is. Oh, what we, it is. we we re air them later, Chris. Is what if that's yeah. what you're checking. Chris didn't even know what's up. Don't um, worry about I it. I just We're saw not- the all the red on the board and I got nervous. <laughs> there is quite a bit of it. Um, yeah, I just what a movie, and I'm glad I watched it. And I can't wait to make other people watch it. I really want to see them terrified of it. It wasn't as scary as you made me think it was going to be a lot scarier. To be honest, I was scared, but like. You're like the only movie that's ever given me nightmares is, is hereditary. It is. I don't, no, it I, is. it's literally the, the only, only movie that's ever. Given I, I don't. I don't deny it. I don't deny it. Like that. That is the only one. It just wasn't. I don't I, think it was that scary for me. As I, I just remember the first time I watched it, I woke up in the middle. Of, it was dark in my room, and there's like my 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 closet door is just a curtain. Mm. It was, I guess it was kind of sticking out. So I thought a person was standing there, mm. and I freaked out. Yeah, I, I, I turned all my lights on and locked my door and opened my windows. So oh, Alex like, said it wasn't scary. Hey, I was hey. doing the dad stand for half the movie because I couldn't sit still. I thought there was someone it. pressing their face against the window Ooh. at Jack's place. Ooh, for a that, bit that, of it. that, that, that. We, we should watch it again sometime. Uh, I want to be I'll there. I'll pass. Ah, boo. This is one of those movies I, I like. I really do, I I really do love it, it but again. I never want to watch it again. I'd want to watch it a few times. 12 Years of Slaves on that list, Hereditary. So with with that said about Hereditary, let's move on to the second movie in the Ari Aster series, I guess is the best word to describe, Midsummer, which was a movie that received a lot less uh, praise from the general audiences than Hereditary. This movie directed by Ari Aster yeah, and stars... Yeah, can't handle it. That's, that's probably correct. way more graphic. We'll get, we'll get to that in a second. It stars uh, Florence Pugh as Danny Ardor, Jack Rayner as Christian Hughes. The worst. Wilhelm Blomgren as Pele, William Jackson Harper as Josh, Will Poulter, love that guy. As uh, Mark, Elora Torchia as Connie, and Archie Madekwe as Simon. I apologize if I messed up any of those names. I tried my best. This movie is about a couple who are going through a bit of a rough patch. Florence Pugh's character has just lost her parents and sister. 
and they go on this retreat to uh, Sweden, right? Sweden with uh, it is Christian and his friends, including Pele, who is uh, Swedish, and they go to this sort of like vacation in the middle of the summer, and it all goes well. It's for, way downhill it's very for, fast. It's for the the one guys. What what's his name? Pele. Uh, no, not Pele. Pele is the the Swedish guy that invites him. It's oh, the for, thesis. It's uh it's for it's his thesis. Josh William Jackson Josh's Harper. Thesis. That's they true. Because he's doing like he's doing it on um specifically on like know, midsummer culture across Europe. Like, yeah, he was going to go to Britain and other places. He was going to do it on midsummer culture. You're right. Yeah, uh, his so. thesis. So it was part of that. They were friends with this Swedish dude. Uh, fun fact: in Switzerland, um, they thought that this was a comedy. They thought it was a black comedy, so a lot of test audiences and audiences in Switzerland were laughing throughout the whole thing. Oh, Which you mean pretty, Sweden? Sweden, sorry, yeah. did I say Switzerland. Ah, uh, yes, Sweden. I'm, I'm gonna get it mixed up in my head as well. That is, ver- I didn't, I've forgotten about that. That's, that's very, um, <laughs> that's concerning. Three things about this movie: one, the opening is way more gripping than the opening of Hereditary, yep. in my opinion. Completely agree. Uh, with Danny crying, with this, the opening is a. It seems like it's gonna be a slow burn, and then it's like, hits the fan immediately with Danny crying, and then the freaking music kicks in with the bagpipes or whatever those are. Crazy. Yep. Uh, great Completely opening. Agree. Two, Completely agree. in in theme with Ari Aster's horror movies. Um, this one is not actually a horror movie. It is instead about. Um, it's a relationship. A movie. relationship. It's about. It's like marriage it's, story. Yeah, it's kind of like it's Notebook. About, it's about failing a failing relationship, and then what happens when you don't, when you aren't honest with your partner in the most extreme way. And then three, this movie is more rewatchable and also probably liked more by critics because it is not as good as Hereditary. Mm. I would say it was more disliked by the audience because the audience was expecting Hereditary 2.0, which it is not. But then again, I think the people that expected that also misunderstood Hereditary as being a psychological deconstruction of that family. Like, the final 20 minutes are the scariest 20 minutes of movie that I've probably ever seen. Yeah. But, but like, the first hour and 40 is very much not that. There's, you know, little the family there's movie. Random, there's random in the background that makes you freak out well, every time all, it happens. It's but, all just so frightening. Yeah, exactly. The whole time. But, but I think people misunderstood that movie to an extent to then expect this to be more than what it was. And I, I have no problem with how it was in general. I thought it was perfect. I And I'll get into that in a moment. I want to say I really like the cast. Again, great cast. I think Florence Pugh is one of the best rising stars in acting right now. She's been great in everything. We talked, you mentioned in the Oscars 2019, she, uh, Little Women was in contention. She was in contention for that, for her role in that as well. I thought that she was great in Midsummer. Yeah, she was excellent in this movie. Uh, She's going to be th- in a movie with uh, Harry Styles soon. Really? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I saw that. And a couple details uh, in particular. I think you're right about the opening itself being more gripping, but the opening it, as well is just, it's where Ari Aster leaves his sort of initial footprint on the audience. Because the first one is, it's zooming into a house, then zooms into a miniature in the house to get to the actual house, right? Because it's, it's pretty on the nose. It goes, it goes through a room. You know what he was doing. To a miniature, which room is where Alex Wolf is, which is where the movie starts, and miniatures show up throughout. I thought that was an excellent, all right, this style's different. This, there's something else about this movie, about this director. And this is the same thing with the paintings and the painting split to reveal all the snow and um, like all the snow. And then the, what, the second the phone rings, we click to seeing a city and a civilization rather than the nature and the snow and the trees and all that stuff. Just both 
completely just stamping his, you know, hey, this is my, you can tell it's his movie. He's trying to establish what guys like Nolan have established, where you know what his movie is because of how he does it. You can recognize it because you're like, that's an Ari Aster technique or whatever. And it gets further in some of his shots in the movie. My, one of my favorite, maybe ever, honestly, it was just so simple and creative, was where um, Danny is uh, at the apartment. By the way, the second I saw Pele drawing something, I knew something was up. I was like, wait a minute. Charlie was drawing last time and it was bad. So I knew, I knew. I was like, Ari Aster clearly doesn't like art. He did something. Somebody did something to him. I don't know what it is. But the second I saw uh, Pele drawing something, I knew it was up. But it's when Danny um, is freaking out, and she goes to the bathroom, and she walks in, and the, sh- and the camera follows her overhead, and the second she gets in the bathroom, we're on the airplane in the different bathroom. Well, and I, that was just a cool transition. Here's but, the thing. That's, that's the thing about this movie. Uh, you were saying you knew something was up. The thing about Midsummer, Hereditary, you have no idea what's going to happen. But in... Midsummer, they literally tell you what's going to happen in the very beginning. Like, they actually show you. They show you and they tell you in the beginning what is going to happen. And that is part of the dread because it is the inevitable that these people are all going to die horrific deaths and there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly, because you know, you're like, then something's off. And they don't even try and hide it. You they know. They, they, I mean, there's this scene where it's a it's a bit graphic, but at in, within the first... 15 minutes of the movie when they first arrive at the hostel or village or whatever, there's literally a quilt that shows the, we'll say, love potion that involves uh, body hair and food, uh, which eventually leads to hypnosis, which is used later on in the movie. In the first 15 minutes, there's a quilt with it graphically drawn out on it, just hanging out, and the camera pans over it and shows you exactly what is going to happen. Yep, it's it's excellent. I mean, it really is. I think that is a great part in terms of the detail. I really think, you know, it is just, you're just dreading every because you know it's going to end badly. And you want to hope, I think there's a, there's a little misdirect where the cult leaders are questioning them about where the book went. I'm like, well, why do you, you killed those two people, so why are you asking where the book well, went? Well, that was the point, is they were trying to make them paranoid. It's the same thing with uh, Connie when her boyfriend went missing. They were like, oh, yeah, you're, uh, he left on the bus. He said he'll come back later. And she's like, there's no way he would leave without yeah, him. And they're like, that oh, was, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That was <laughs> that was whack. Definitely, oh, well, he's yeah, definitely yeah. not hanging in, uh, in our shed over there. With, <laughs> definitely not alive. Tortured right now. Yeah, that was that. Angel of death. He got so, angel of death. I will say, I, w- I did not, I, as much as you were right in the fact that it does, it does sort of foreshadow the fact that it's all going to end badly, I didn't know where it was. Initially, I was like, because I knew it was going to involve a cult, because I like it, it says in the bio. I was like, I wonder if her sister ran off to the cult, and that's what we're going to be doing. And then she would tell me, like, okay, cool, cool, the plot's progressing. And then I hear her crying. I was like, oh. Her sister died. And then yeah. not, to, not to mention the very slow, wait, there are, guy, there are guys turning off the keys in the car. What, what, why are there cars? Then you see the tube, and you're like, oh, my God. It's just that drain, that, what, is that a bagpipe or whatever? It's like, mm. And you're like, oh my god, and it's all in slow motion. Yeah, that was that was an excellent scene. Again, I did see. I well, when they cl- showed the parents earlier, the phone was calling. I was like, something's up. Well, yeah, something. they they he know he knows that you know something's up, and you he he knows that you know what type of movie you're watching, so and he's, he's gonna like, make you wait. Mmm, check it out. I'm setting the scene. I'm setting the tone, and he sets the tone pretty well. 
Because this movie is a lot more graphic than Hereditary was. Significantly, I would say. And he shows that in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Davis, you, you've been a little more quiet on the Midsummer uh, talk train. Go ahead. And- I was I was just doing some research on Ari Aster's next movie, which I can get to in a minute. I was, but I was looking at that earlier. Let's wrap, well, how about we wrap up on. with that to lead to yeah, the Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I said yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was looking at talking about cinematography. The cinematographer that did Midsummer also did Hereditary. He's worked on Ari Aster for all his movies. Clearly, they fit like a glove because Powell something. That oh. guy is really good. good. He's very, very Roger Deakin. Very good at his job. I mean, as Ari Aster might be the new just director in general. He's that. Well, the good. thing is. With Ari Aster, I feel like he doesn't reach as wide of an audience as a Christopher Nolan could because people aren't. Well, most people don't want to watch horror movies in general. Yeah, don't reach yeah, a wide exactly. Audience, like a psychological it's like horror, Scream or whatever, you know, a gory movie. Uh, horror movies in general don't reach a big audience because you inherently there's a large portion of viewers that aren't going to watch it just because they don't want to be scared. Like people don't like horror movies. And then there's a certain audience, like depending on the type of movie it is, like I, for instance, I don't like movies that are gory just to be gory. Like if the gore serves a purpose and it's like part it's in a weird way, it, it tells the story, it helps tell the story or whatever. But like the Evil Dead reboot where it's just gory to try and gross you out or like Saw movies, like no, I'm out. You know, so then somebody who doesn't like uh, art films or whatever or doesn't like... Uh, doesn't like what the trailer perceives it to be, is not going to go watch yeah. it. So already he has a limited audience. Definitely. And I think I think another thing, and this is just going on the strengths of the movie. I'm going through my notes here. I had, I had like three and a half pages of notes on both these movies combined, and I also stopped writing in the middle of Midsummer because I was just, I was like, I'm too into it. I can't. I've got to put my phone down because I don't want to write anything down. Um, you know, there's a point where I think you're right that it's very foreboding. You're like, all right, something bad's going to happen, but. Like, it doesn't really click until the sacrifice, the first one, right? Where they just jump off and you're like, what the heck is going on? I was, I was saying, man, if that was me, I would have been out no, of there. I'm gone. I would have been gone. Well, I would have tried said to nothing. leave, and then what happened? Yeah, that's, that was my point that I would have also tried to leave, but where are you going to go? You're yeah, in the wilderness. They led you and in then, the wilderness, and then immediately put you on drugs so you didn't know where you and were. And I said I would have just left without telling them. Yeah. And then you would have got killed by a bear. I wouldn't have. Yeah, you would have. Nope. I would have intervened. I would have stepped oh my in. Lord. I would have remembered the way. And I think, I think you know, when they first get to um, the uh, the village, even very just small stylistic choice that I think is really great is when they first get to the village, there's music playing in the background, and it goes from a sort of, uh, the term is diegetic to non-diegetic, and back and forth it goes. So non-diegetic is music that's, that's not sourced from the movie. It's like John Williams' soundtrack. You know, there's not an orchestra in Star Wars playing it, but diegetic is where the characters themselves are performing it. And at first, it seems like it, and then the camera pans to them playing, and then it does that throughout the movie. And those are just simple things that I really like about his movies because it makes them stand out. It makes them feel different and unique. And that was... It's not a very commonplace thing because rarely do you have characters performing any kind of music in movies. It's it's very rare. And again, I say Star Wars, that's... Music everybody knows, but it's never been played, right? Except that one, right? Yeah, exactly. But that was just—that's something that he does throughout this one specifically because the cult is playing a lot of music, and it constantly sort of goes in and out to where you're like, is it—is it his choice, or is it the, or obviously it's all his choice, but is it, you know, is it the composer or is it the musicians in the, uh, 
cult. And I just really liked that as an opener to the village because it was just kind of a very strange sort of music to begin with. And you're very like, all right, what's going on? But then you realize they're playing it. It's like, okay, that just makes it weirder. I really like uh, that use of both. That's also something else I've learned in my soundtracks class, Dave. We need to keep a count on the amount of things I've quoted yeah. from that class before. Yeah. Very, very much recommend. Uh, anyone who likes movies to take that class, why not? And yeah, I just... Oh, also, how about... Did you guys notice how the subtitles would just show up when convenient? Like the whole speech at the beginning, um, the subtitles do not show up except for the line "spirits back to the dead," and then that's the only time the Swedish subtitles show up until later I in the movie. Not, we we had subtitles. We had actual subtitles. Playing. So okay, yeah. so the subtitles used in the movie, it is there's a lot of Swedish spoken throughout the beginning when they get to the village, and the oh, only wow. time it shows up is just the back "spirits to the dead," and that's like okay, what the heck is going on here? Well, what does that mean exactly? So that was something I was like, okay, that's a good detail. That's using subtitles to your advantage, in my opinion. And again, another thing that makes the movie just different from everything else, I would say. And then going on, um, let's see, going down uh, the list more. Man, the awkward conversation between uh, Christian and Danny were killing me. Oh, like, the, that was just more dreadful he, than the, the scary scene where he forgets her birthday. Oh, pain. I wrote, I literally, I literally wrote like, down in my notes. I said I forgot to remind him the quote, and then put pain. That's all I put. It was just. She's like, stop. That was like, stop. That was that was that was brutal. He's absolute the worst. Brutal. He's he the, the worst. worst. He's, he's the terrible. Worst. He is. His friends might be worse. I don't know, but he's they're terrible. all bad. I mean, they're. I don't know if they're as bad. They're just college. They're, you know, turds or whatever. But he is knowingly the worst because he's just leading her on the whole time and she's innocent and she genuinely has affection towards him, but he could care less about her. And it's just painful, painful to watch. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's just, it, it really, that, that's an, again, another unique angle to it is it's, it's not just even as scary as much as there's just that and that it is very much a sort of, you know, I don't know what the word is necessarily, but just different in terms of how these movies tend to go. Uh, I really like how it all builds, and you're like, this is weird, this is weird, and then the two people jump off the cliff, and you're like, okay, this is, yeah, as we mentioned earlier. show, Ugh. oh girl, my gosh. The one girl does it smart. The girl, she freaking, she swanton bombs from the top, <laughs> and she dies. She makes sure she's dead. Swanton now the bomb. dude, I mean, stupid idiot, jumped with his feet first. Ugh. And you see his mangled legs, and then you see all the people are crying. Another consistent thing, the people in this community are connected. I don't know if it's them, if they're actually connected spiritually, or if they're just That's like, like what they practice. Over, if they're just pra- like overacting or whatever, like practicing to it to, to try and feel the emotion of whoever's getting hurt. But the dude's like screaming, and they all start freaking out, and then the guy with the hammer comes and smashes Ugh. his face in, and you see it, and yep. they show it multiple times. And they cut between the face ca- caving in and Danny's just emotionless reaction. All the other, uh, I guess, foreigners in this case, right? The the American ex- students and the, I guess, British people. Were they British? Connie and what's the Yes, face? from London. They were from London and they were freaking out. But Danny was just kind of like, hmm. It was, the only, it was like the only time where she didn't really show a reaction like that. But... I have two theories to that. One is um, it makes me think that she was pre-picked to be the Midsummer Queen by what's-his-face? Pele. Pele. Um, 
where she, maybe she had a, a connection to the people uh, in some way. But then at the same time, her deadpan reaction ends up being the most human of them all, kind of going about their life, and it helps Danny see how disconnected they are and how horrible horrible Christian is. And then she becomes the only one that's still concerned with what's going on while the rest of them are worried about, like, their thesis and, you know, and having, having big eyebrows. Yeah. And this, I, yeah. Top five eyebrows in yeah. movies, by the Ooh. way, in Midsummer. This movie in general. This movie. This had yeah. some good eyebrows. It Danny's had Will Porter. Eyebrows, Will Porter. I mean, all right off the bat, that's a 10 out of 10 yeah. eyebrows performance. And then uh, the guy that played Josh was his name. Yeah. He He's also solid the, eyebrows. Yeah. Good brow guys, overall. I, Danny wow. had good eyebrows. I think I'm about to go into my tinfoil hat moment here. I think, this is, I think that the they she got further connected to the community by becoming alienated from her friends by mm-hmm. realizing they weren't freaking out. Yeah. I had to finish my thought okay. before we went yeah, on I, that. I, I go, go, go tinfoil my hat. Tin, my tinfoil hat moment is, Chris, you mentioned something, and it stuck out to me exactly when you said it. Um, how do we think Danny was pre-selected? I agree with that. A lot of the theories say that Pele is the mastermind of it all. Now, the question, mm. the question, this begs the question, that they had to pick a midsummer queen. That that is true, and I think I think they they wanted to pick bringing these outside uh, sacrifices. Do we think that Pele killed her family? Possibly. No, it's pretty clear that the her sister had. Well, I mean, had issues. There's possible manipulation. Not to mention, I thought it was weird that the monoxide tube was taped to her face. There was well, no the thing is, that. like, well, keep if, in mind if that- you were supposed to think that Ari Aster would have put something in there to hint at it. Keep in mind that True. also she didn't even know about the trip. Yeah. She wasn't even meant to come on the trip. What I think it was was she came and then it was a competition between her and Connie because notice that the other group also had a female. Mm. And then when Connie reacted where, as she did to the sacrifice, she was eliminated from contention, okay. thus making Danny the midsummer queen. Just shooting out some some theories here, just trying to. I just know. think Ari Aster's so deliberate in everything sure. that he does in his movies. There would be a hint at Pele doing that's that. That's completely right. That that's a completely fair point. I just you know just shooting. I always just thought it was weird that the monoxide tube was taped to her face. That's all. I think she did that to herself. I, I just that didn't seem in necessary. Like a, in like a. I'm afraid I would be too afraid to go through with it. So ah, I'm okay. Tape it to my mouth. That's too. that's fair and horribly dark. But yeah, that's a good horrendously point. dark. But this movie is very dark. That's what the the movie the movie demands. Both it. of these movies. The movie demands as such. Um, and I mean, it's just there's just so much about it. Also, I think you know it has some uh some links to Nordic culture with Simon being given uh the the thing called a blood eagle actually that was uh, something that I've been aware of based on viking tv shows that I've watched but that's where it they the blood eagle or an angel of death I I believe in in Nordic culture it's referred to as a blood eagle but I don't know how how that would differ from an angel of death uh, either way it's very graphic and not to mention he's alive real. yes no wait mean it's real that's they did that wait wait Okay. Vikings. Yeah, yeah, no, did that's that. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's, what I'm that's yeah, yeah, okay, yes. That, I You're right. like the in term, the movie. The term like, is the uh blood eagle, yep. but I think it has been given I think it was given a new yeah. name. Yeah. But it's it's very linked to Nordic culture, which I thought that was just interesting in terms of how this there's what cult, the Vikings used yeah, to do. And it this was, cult may be inspired by Norse mythology in some capacity. I think they did it again, don't don't quote me on this, but if memory serves me right, it was done to Vikings that had dishonored the their their group in some capacity or something like that. 
the TV show Vikings, which you can watch on Amazon, is or which is on Amazon currently at least, uh, is that's that's the theme that's consistent. I'm not saying that show's historically accurate. Completely, it was put out by the History Channel for what it's worth. But that is that is very much the message when they do it during that show, and that's where I had figured out about it first, and I saw it again. Not to mention he's alive during it, which he's is alive. terrifying. Well, that's the point of the torture: is you're alive and you slowly choke to death on your own blood. Yeah, that was that was bad. And he was still alive. That was uh, bad. The in true what is becoming Ari Aster fashion, the last twenty minutes are crazy. Yes. Yep. Matter of fact, this movie is probably the last thirty minutes because right. Things start to hit the fan when they start doing the Midsummer Queen dance. When they, mm-hmm. when she has to do the dance, and and Christian is all tripped out on whatever drugs they gave him, which they then him leads like a, to the grossest scene. The weird, so weird. I'm so remember being weird. In the movies I, with I, my brother watching that. And I, I, just, I don't even want to go into. I don't even want to discuss yeah, we don't it on the to. podcast. It has to do with the love potion I mentioned yeah. earlier. It is the completion of the love potion, and it's very graphic. And let's and just say Christian it. was approved to mate. That's all I'll say. And there is a lot of uh, inhaling and exhaling in groups and touching, uh, and it's all there's a very lot of weird then, overall. And then. Well, there's that scene where they're all connected, uh, wink. But there's also when Danny sees it, they start crying the same way she does. So I think it completed her connection to the community because they did the thing where completely at the beginning of the movie they were crying about the dude still being alive, and then they I agree freaking out about Danny seeing her longtime boyfriend doing that. Four years. Also, how about how about during the during the midsummer dance, Danny, whatever she drank, she can suddenly speak Swedish. That was weird. Hmm. That and it's part of the community. Whenever she would look over um to what's his face? Pele. Pele. Well to Christian, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she would be like disgusted. Mm. Good. He was yeah. a jerk. He was, he was terrible. He stole his friend's thesis. That's true. He's he, the worst. He is he is complete garbage. Um also not to mention just uh probably the worst quote in the history of quotes. Um uh let's I'm trying to remember his name. Uh Josh just doing some little research, trying to figure out about their oracle, and then the guy says, All of our oracles were direct products of incest. It is intentional. And I was like, um, excuse me? It what? Well, I felt that that was kind of a well, they addressed it, but it seemed like I thought that that was going to be a more important plot point when I yeah, first watched I, it. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the misdirect. Like, I really thought the guy they showed the uh, person painting. I think that and they the, showed the books as well, and you see the paintings again. I thought it was too, and maybe that's just the point. I th- yeah, I think that he was um, he was a he he was literally just that. Like, he wasn't yeah. any mythical being. He he wasn't like a it wasn't like a monster. Like I thought it was going to be or anything like that because they only show. Very, you don't really see him. Right. You don't really see glimpses of it at the beginning, but they hint that there's something sinister going on. But it's literally just a dude that draws in the book, yep, and then exactly. it leads to the death of Josh. And I think, I think, I think another interesting point is that fits with Aster's uh, uh, style again. Go to Hereditary. We don't learn as much about the cult as we think we do. We don't learn and, much at all. And in this one, you know, we're immersed in the cult's village, so I think we expect to learn more, and we do learn more. But in the grand scheme, he's still going to hide a lot. He's gonna. He's not gonna show every card he has. In both movies, we learn only what the characters learn. Exactly, yeah, which We're, sounds like it sounds like well, yeah, duh. But there's movies where you, as the audience, learn more. You're kind, than, yeah. You're you're a character in the story as well. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and just I mean, 
Also, how about the pick the sacrifice with Bingo? I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Devil, yeah. I was like, oh. Now's not the time for now Bingo. Now is not the time for Bingo. Not at all. And then at the end of the movie, she still had a chance to spare him, but she did not. She didn't say anything. Because, I mean, she... They were yeah. like, would you? You don't have to. I mean, I'm not going to find myself in that situation. Okay. I been gone I am in a bear suit, paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> Davis is okay. I'm in the backseat of a car and I'm having anaphylactic shock. And I stick my head out the window. What do you do? I wouldn't let them start the fire. I would go in there and start it myself, Davis. Boom. Boom. There you go. Got it. Boom. You Just guys kidding. are kind of like Christian and Danny. Whoa. I'm Danny. Who's what who? The- I'm Y'all Danny. are going to find out. Oh, my Lord. What the? Okay. I'm just, Davis, I'm just saying if Davis says want to go to Sweden, I'm definitely saying no. I mean, it ain't happening. <laughs> Y'all have all. any other thoughts about Midsummer? Uh, oh, happy song to end the credits as well. Yeah. What was the song at the end of the uh, I don't remember the song. It was just a lot more upbeat than the movie. <laughs> That's like all I'll Uncut say about gems. that. What was the, the song at Uncut Gems? Um, L'amour toujours, something like that. It was French. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact uh, song. But just again, uh, a couple more things that I was thinking about is my favorite shot between the two movies is when they're burying Charlie and the camera follows the uh, casket and then goes underneath the dirt. I yeah. thought that was awesome. And it, it happens again with this one where they're, like a dollhouse. they're driving to the village and the and the camera goes above the car and then it goes under the car and it turns the car upside down. And I'm like, okay, that's just really cool. Again. They know how to do it, shots. It, it, he's, he's good. He's really good. And I think it's just consistent throughout the whole movie. And... Again, go see both these movies, everybody. I really think. Hear about oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Seven, go ahead. Go ahead. seven out of ten. I give it an eight. Eight point five out of ten for me. I really liked it. Go ahead. Dave. His next movie is called Disappointment Boulevard, and he has said it's going to be a four-hour-long nightmare comedy film, starring oh? Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, let's go. Nathan Lane, ooh, Amy Ryan, Parker Posey, Kylie Rogers, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Michael Gandolfini, Richard Kind, Kind. That's really big ones. It's not. It wasn't. It's not confirmed that this is the night. The night. Uh, what'd you say? Nightmare comedy. It's not confirmed that this is the nightmare comedy. That's what he said. He it was. said he's well. He's been quoted as saying that he wants to do a nightmare comedy at some point. Um, they there's not really much known about this movie. I, whatever. Oh no, yeah. Uh, he has said that it is a generation spanning movie. So this might be a uh, biopic or biography well, or some sort on. of but departure from the horror movies. Because I think after Midsummer, you Google this. I'm pretty sure after Midsummer, he said he wants his next movie to not be a horror movie. But on that, he has also been. Uh, cited as beginning work on an untitled horror movie. So he's immediately going back into horror after. But in June 2020, he said yeah, he, no, he said, said it's going to be a nightmare comedy. That his next film will be a four-hour nightmare comedy with Walking Phoenix given the name Disappointment Boulevard, and then Collider has this uh, to say on it. Well, nightmare quote, comedy isn't necessarily horror. The the the, the, but, but, the uh, quote okay, that I, I read said that it was not in relation. I remember. To I remember when that happened. The quote is this. Boulevard. I remember the. the it is described as an intimate, decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entre- entrepreneurs of all time. Back in November, discussing film reported that the. Movie was called Bo is Afraid and described as a surrealist horror film set in an alternate present. It is unclear if these are two different projects, but Ari Aster film is definitely the next film is definitely called Disappointment Boulevard and will be distributed by A twenty four. And yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much all that I can see on it, uh, at least right now. Um, all he knows is going to be four hours long. Buckle I'm excited. Up. I'll watch it all. 
I'll watch it. Why not? Well, that'll be the ultimate test. Uh, There's I, not much known about it anyway. There, there is not. I look forward to it, though, after these two. These are really good. I really enjoyed them both. If you're looking for two scary or one scary movie to watch for Halloween and one movie just to make you think, I think Hereditary is both of those, and Midsummer is certainly one to make you think and about as psychological as it's any movie pretty, gets. It's still pretty. It's it is not scary. It's just kind of like dreadful-inducing. Dre- yeah, there's just nothing but dread. But uh, any final thoughts on these two movies before we wrap up the show and move on, Davis? As a matter of fact, why don't you tell the audience what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, from what I understand, we're going to be talking about the 90s Scooby-Doo movies. Mm, there's the big Of ones. which there are four. Cyber Chase. Yes. yes. Witches Who Ghost. Was playing baseball. Aliens inva- Alien Invaders. And my favorite, Zombie Island. Zombie Island Cyber is goaded. Cyber Chase is good. I love Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase is excellent. I cannot wait to talk about that one again. Oh, my gosh. One love of them has movie. Tim Curry in it. Don't forget it. I can't forget about our man, Tim Curry. Uh... You, and man, I'm excited about those movies. I am. But any final thoughts on these movies before we wrap up the show? I'm good. I great I, movies. Christy as well. I love Hereditary. Ten and an eight, respectively. A ten and an eight. A ten and a seven, respectively. Ten and eight point five for me. Well, Chris and Davis, uh, thank you both for joining uh, the show, and to our listeners, we thank you for listening to this latest episode of Through the Lens. I believe it's our thirtieth ever, actually, uh, and. Talking about scary movies. Scary movie season is continuing. We talked about Hereditary and Midsummer as well as some a little bit of news early on, but just mainly those two movies. And we'll be back next week to discuss the 90s Scooby-Doo movies, as Davis just mentioned earlier. You can follow us along at Through the Lens Weagle on Instagram. That's through underscore the underscore lens underscore Weagle on Instagram for any updates on the podcast, movies we will discuss, and you can contact us there for any movies you'd like us to discuss. But until then, I'm Alex Houston for Davis Carroll and Chris DeBias. This is Through the Lens, and we will see you all next time. 